This episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Gurus Hang Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. This is part two of my epic super hang with Wayne Bergeron and friends. In part one, Wayne talked about his battle with cancer. We were later joined by surprise guests Jerry Hay, Frank Green, Walter White, Dan Frenero, and Gordon Goodwin. And when we left things off, the party kicked into high gear with the arrival of Mr. Gary Grant. And trust me, things get a little bit nuts. So pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin. Uh, we got trouble coming on here. Oh, now this is real oh, trouble. Oh, this is. <laughs> I tell you right. what. Oh, no. Shit has just gotten real, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It has just got real. Gary Grant mm-hmm. is in the house. Hey. This internet shit, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a pain in the ass, man. I mean, I paid my bills. I don't know about you guys if you paid your bills. I paid my bills. And I should I should have no problem. How you doing, Wayno? I'm doing good, Gary. How are you, brother? You're like, you're, you're like turn, turn, turn your you? iPad, man. Yeah, turn your uh, iPad sideways. Go landscape. <laughs> there you go. There he is. Hey. Oh, put it back. Put it back. <laughs> hold, hold it a second now. Uh, yeah, this is this is a, a, a new. Now that that's not good. Turn, turn, turn it sideways Dan. there, Gary. Dan. <laughs> Dan. Dan's so mean. <laughs> yeah, Dan. <laughs> where, where, uh, Gary, aren't you supposed to be wearing a mask? <laughs> yes, I am. And, uh, and I'm probably the only one on this call that's been thrown out of three stores for not wearing <laughs> So what do we want? I'm wearing I'm wearing my Wayne my my Wayne my Wayne Bergeron mask. I got, I've got a mask. Let's see it, Wayne. Jeez, <laughs> you don't want that. Yeah, one. that's I've got this mask. Uh, I don't want to wear that one again. It's great. It saved my life, and it's a Halloween costume. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a twofer. So, so Gordon, Gordon, let me ask you something here. Um, so, you know, you so much of your arrangements, uh, I. I, I'm sure, and I've kind of gotten this glimpse through your social media posts and things like that. Um, you take into consideration the talents of the people that you have in your band, and particularly at that Wayne, that uh, lead trumpet spot with Wayne. So, so much of your writing is kind of geared towards the uh, the unique abilities that Wayne brings to your organization. So, you know, how how does it feel to you? Uh, to experience what he's going through and, you know, thinking about how that impacts not only you and your music and what you bring to the public. Certainly, certainly that's uh, common enough for writers to write for the band. But I do know that most of the time, whatever I write, he's going to play it. I know two things. I know he's going to play it. And I know he's also going to complain about it. So I, it doesn't matter how I, what, how I try to hit, you know, on the ladder. I know I'm going to experience both of those two things. But honestly, just stuff that sounds good to me, 
And, and so, and I got a, a reputation for kind of pushing the envelope, but I remember we were doing our first record and uh, Jerry and Gary were involved in, and uh, we were doing a, a chart called Shake Your Bones. And Jerry says, on a break, he goes, you know, we would usually schedule like a whole day to do a chart like this. And we were, we were doing that. We were doing like maybe, you know, we had a three hour session. We we're trying to do two charts at least in that time, maybe more. Cause we, it wasn't a Michael Jackson record. You know, we didn't have the resources, you know to, to spend that kind of time. So we had to kind of get it done. And, um, and I remember um, that over the years we kind of got a uh, culture of just, you know how an assignment takes the time that you have for it. You know, we could right. have spent six hours on it, you know, but also, well, we, we only have three or an hour and a half maybe for a chart. We try to get maybe two done uh, per session. So I really rely on Wayne and Dan and Jerry and Gary, guys like that, that are so efficient and um, their reading, sight reading is just impeccable. So we're not talking about notes and rhythms. That's like a given. We get right to the nuance and how it feels and to try to dial that down, essentially to try to the fact that we're not on the road like the Basie band playing the material for months and then we record it. Most of the time, you know, if we might have had one rehearsal, played on maybe one gig and then we're in the studio before this chart has really uh, marinated as long as you might want. But we, they find it anyway, you know, they find that nuance, they find that uh, cohesion and, and that over all the high notes, you know, and, and the, the, the technical technicality of how these musicians play that i think is the greatest gift you know that musical maturation that they have and they that they can bring to inform the music yeah yeah well does you know it, gordon I, does it bother you if wayne puts the fingerings over the notes does that bother you race it after <laughs> <laughs> or is it is it is it you know do you go after the session or do you do it on the breaks or, i, I just, well, you know, well you know what it was, i always wanted to ask you, you know. well his comment There's about how the doctor his doctor delivered that news. I mean, that's kind of how we approach it. We call him in after a take. And first we tell him, Wayne, it was really rhythmically great. And then we tell him how out of tune it was. So we give him, <laughs> we give him the good news first, and then we go to the other stuff. How do we mute this guy? What amazing. <laughs> I need a host. Can I mute him somehow? <laughs> now, the, the, book is, the, the first trumpet book is, is 100% written with Wayne in mind. And, you know, God help all of us who ever have to play it when he's not there. Because you know it's it's remarkably difficult. But what what impresses me the most is when you write something like Horn of Fuente or Years of Therapy, where these are Wayne features that are ridiculous. I mean, Years of Therapy. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but it's um, it's it's I would consider it unplayable. And he just walks right in there and he goes, "Sure, I'll give it a go." And it's it's unbelievable, man. Pulls it off. Unbelievable. Remember, remember he did he did Horn of Fuente on a concert. He was doing an A on that. He was Wayne would put a, a one on top of his A, and I thought that that was uh, totally uh, amateurish. <laughs> might say. Uh, this guy doesn't know I the finger. Everybody knows this one and two. And <laughs> Christ Almighty! And, and, what, uh, and then, and then he played the shit out of it, and that was the end of that. That's right. And, and speaking of that, let me show you. Say it again. Hey, uh, hey, Jose. Yes, yes, Wayne. Let me, let me share the screen for a second. Okay, you got it. Uh, let me let me hop in here and allow you to share the screen. Screen sharing. Sorry to interrupt you, Gordon. 
That's uh, okay. Let me see if I can do this. Go to go to where it says part, uh, uh, where it says security in your thing there. <laughs> Down below. And then you just have to click screen sharing. You got it. Okay, can I do it now? You should be able to. Okay, here we go. Okay, so here's the chart. Here's years of therapy. So it starts off on a piccolo trumpet here. It starts off with this Baroque thing. There it is, here we go. Yeah. And it's a little low, you know, so it's Gordon wanted it to sound like a toy trumpet kind of thing, so. Gordon has, Gordon has apparently never played the piccolo trumpet, so he doesn't know how difficult these fingerings are. I'll go into that. Has Gordon actually ever played anything? So this thing goes on and on, and you get over to here. It goes on and on and on, and then you get some rest, and then and then you get some rest, and then it revamps and goes to this thing. And then we're into big band shit. Head. You know, yeah. this is getting hit. It's just oh, not stop. And it's then you get to solo. Then you get a wrong solo. Then you get to solo. Do you know what those things mean, Wayne? What are what are all those like hieroglyphics? I mean, just wiggle we'll, we'll your fingers and okay. You play, play F sharp six times, E flat. Six and then times. you get a little bit of rest and you wipe the blood off right here. <laughs> That's a and lot. Then of you have a soli with the saxes, you know. That's kind been of been a full soli, yeah, exactly. And then you get to wipe some more blood off, and then your lead over the band. Wait up, wait up. Then this goes on and on and on, and then you blow some high note shit here. You bring your Frank Green. Dan Fernero covers these notes for me. Thank you, Dan. Okay. Yep, Dan. Yep. And then the Baroque thing comes back in, but on B flat trumpet. Cadenza. Cadenza. And then. A. Yep. Hold that. Band comes in. And then you end with this lick. B. And on this downbeat, everybody drops out. That's right. It's unbelievable. And comes in on beat two. So that's not a good note to miss. If you're going to miss any of the notes, that's not a good one to miss because it's going to be laughter. And I saw him do it live. He did it live with the band. I mean, this is not just for recording. I mean, he did this whole piece in, you know, standing there in front of an audience. It's unbelievable. So I've got to hey, Dan. It maybe six times live, I think, Gordon. Uh, yeah. Hey, Dan, the problem is with this is with technology, they can just print you a new part. Back in the day, you could just spill your coffee on the music and you have you can do a different chart. <laughs> <laughs> now they just print you a new one. You just have to do it. So, so anyway, you I know, Gordon is But... I will say, because I've complained, and Gordon is right, I do bitch. And when he wrote Horn of Puente, I said, I don't think I can play this. And he called me a whiny bitch. <laughs> and I got pissed off, so I went home and I figured out how to play it, how to pace myself through it. And then we did it live on the gig, and it got to where I could, I could play it. And this was kind of the, this chart was kind of the same thing. So when we recorded it, I overdubbed my part, of course. We did the piccolo trumpet part, then we went to dinner. <laughs> and I came back and I did the B fly trumpet shit and you know can punt, you know hit the high notes and we called it a day and then on the CD release party he said I want to do this and I go well I don't know if I can play it you know and my wife and I got here Barb got at the piano and she practiced it with me and she made me play the piccolo trumpet part like five times in a row and then she goes then go practice a little bit 
No, let's do the other stuff. She goes, because that's how it's going to feel on the gig. You're going to be tired. So get tired. Learn how to play this thing tired. Uh-huh. And, uh, and when we did it that first night, I was really freaking nervous. And I, as I like to say, as nervous as a hooker in church. And, uh, and were you there the first time I played it, Dan? I don't know. No, I think Frankie was there. I think you missed the, the CD release party. Sorry, Gordon. <clears throat> so <laughs> playing this thing, I was really nervous. But after every phrase, literally, there was applause. You know, after the pickle trumpet thing, the place went nuts. After the solo, the place went nuts. So I got some adrenaline going. And, uh, and when I got to the end and I made it, because I didn't know if I was going to make it, the feeling, the euphoric feeling of like, oh, you know, I got through that. The rest of the gig seemed like a piece of cake after that. You kind of, you kind of, if I remember, you had a little bit of an eruption at the end of that. At the gig I had too. a little what? At, at the end of this tune, you had a little erection, a tiny one. Yeah, well, we've already, we talked about that before you got here. You know, I was like this. Yeah. Like this. No big that. thing, really. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a really great story. But the, the one that I remembered clearly was when we were playing Horn of Puente back in the day. And Wayne had his appendix out. And I think he was up on stage playing that chart. It might have been six, seven days later. I was kidding. Who was the guy that... In Elmhurst, right? The yeah. New York Yankees. I think it was uh, was uh, one of the Yankees had his appendix out, and he he didn't play again for like two three weeks. And Wayne was up on stage doing a athletic thing, playing that thing. Hey, six, Gary Grant. Yes, sir. Do you remember us getting a call from Randy Wallman to do a Ray Charles date? And it was like when I was recovering from my appendix. I do. And it was at Ray's studio, and I asked Randy. I said, "I go well." I think it was Randy Wallman. I said, well, "It was." I'll, how hard is the chart? And he goes, there's not a note over high C. And I go, who is the other trumpet player? He goes, Gary Grant. I go, great. So we get there. It's three pages of high Cs. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, I'm, and I'm wearing a, a weight belt. I'm wearing this. Why do you have that handy? The handy. Because of what's going on right now. I'm, hey, I'm I, I've got a trust in my drawer at home. So trust yeah. me, I understand, man. And so anyway, so I, we get there and, and it's all unison and Gary and I are playing this thing. And then Randy says, hey, can one of you guys play this lick up an octave? You know, there was a little, wow, to a double C or something. And Gary's going, Wayne, no, you got it. And I'm like, uh, all right. So I tighten this thing up, you know, and I cross my legs and I get to the, and I'm, and I, and, I, and I got it. And it, it actually drew blood from my stitches. Oh, wow. So, so yeah. ladies, ladies and gentlemen, the, the lesson for this story is that if you get called for a session, always make sure you have a strap on with you at all oh. times. <laughs> Keep your strap Gary, on. So, and Gary Grant next to you, yeah. And, and Gary Grant. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what we have... Dick jokes. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have, uh, you know, and, and I can't, yeah, I, I'm gonna fanboy out. I have I, I have right in, with me right now some of my all-time favorite players. I mean, just with without a doubt, some of my and favorite Dan's players of all too. time. And, yeah, and Dan. Oh, relentless. Oh, oh, but but the, yeah, what you're saying, what you're saying, Wayne, about like you know, uh, like the, the demands of being on the gig. 
and being able to do both consistently. So, so like Jerry and Gary, you two have been on some of the most iconic charts of all time. I mean, there's not a there's not a trumpet player under the age of eighty. Watch it. <laughs> who, who has not been dramatically influenced by the stuff that you guys did in the studio and that we're called to do live. And there's just times where I just go, man, this stuff is phenomenal. There's times I wish I could just come out to LA and kick both yeah. of you square in the nuts because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how in the hell can you expect me to pull this stuff off? Yeah. That's why I'm living in Pennsylvania and not in LA, but you know, the, the, you, that your, you know, your ability to pull that stuff off, uh, Wayne, Dan, the stuff that you guys have done with Gordon, Walter, the stuff that you guys that you've done, Frank, the stuff that that you had to do. I mean, you you know, all you guys do consistently, but like you know, watching you for years on the Letterman show, you know, live TV, yeah, there's just you know, there. That was more about having an adult diaper than a, than a, a truck. Well, that that's true too, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but that that uh, you know, like you know, how do you deal with the demands? of the situation. I mean, you, because you have to have that combination of, I can't fuck up, but at the same time, if you're, if you're so focused on not screwing up because the way your brain works, your subconscious cannot understand the difference between, you know, I can't do this and I can do this. It doesn't hear that differentiation. So, you know, how do you keep yourself on task knowing that you've got to perform, but then not get yourself freaked out by the demands of your performance? And, and, and Gordon, you're obviously also, uh, you know, a huge part of this because, you know, with, with the stuff that you do as a performer, as an arranger and composer, you have to be intimately aware of that fine balance between having people push their boundaries and not pushing them so far that it's going to be just a complete clusterfuck. So let's start with, let's start with Dan Fernero. Dan Fernero for $500. I'm only going to start with it because I have, I have to leave in a couple of minutes. Um, I'm sous viding some steaks and they're just about ready. Hey, oh, Dan, thank you. You're going to leave, Dan. Hey, Dan, if you've got to leave before you start talking, I want to say yeah. something about Dan Fernero. Oh, oh. Okay. okay. This guy's one of, first of all, he's one of my closest friends. Uh, and he fed me through my cancer treatments. He brought me soup every week. And But when he came on Gordon Goodwin's band, we went through a few different trumpet players. Right, Gordon? We were trying some different people, you know, because our, we, Gordon had fired our other lead trumpet player for numerous reasons, and that's a whole other podcast for another day. Uh, he's no <laughs> Let's schedule it. But when Dan came onto the band, on the band, and started playing, and it immediately felt as, as best it's ever felt on a live gig. And I looked at Gordon and, and Dan had played a couple of lead charts. And I looked at Gordon and I said, this, this is our new, this is our guy right here. And, uh, and since then, Dan and I have had quite a really nice one-two punch together uh, on that band, you know, and, and I, and when he's not there, it's a drag for me, no matter who's there. You know, the players are great. Dan's always got my back. He knows my, we know each other's playing very well because we played so much together. And, uh, you know, he can sense if I'm tired. He knows to pick up the volume on the unison so I can lay out and all those kind of things. So anyway, I just wanted, because Dan's going to leave and I wanted to make sure I gave him some kudos on that because he's a, you talk about a wingman, 
And, uh, you know, I don't think of him as a wingman. He's just an equal player up there and, and part of our sonic, you know, stuff that we do. That's very yeah. good. Thank you. Um, what I was just going to say was the, the sub, <laughs> that's really nice, Wayne. Thanks. Uh, the subject of, uh, you know, can we do this or not? Uh, I think that's since Gordon's here, Wayne, uh, you know, before every single Gordon gig that I've ever done with the band that I can remember, Wayno or I turn to each other and say, can we do this shit? <laughs> and then the other guy will usually say, not really sure, but let's just go and do our best. And that's the best answer I got for you, Jose. And that's really the way we approach it, especially with Gordon's band. You just- But Dan, what's that other remark you and Wayne did? When you would, when you would, when you would play the shit out of the music and really carve it and burn it down, you would look at each other and say, <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> what, Dan, what Dan does, what Federer and I do, when we feel like we've done something pretty well together, we all sit there and go, <laughs> like, give a little sniff, you know, like, oh yeah, we just nailed that shit, you know. But you know, talking about, you know, back against the wall, can you do this? Thank you for having me. I got to run. Get, you know, uh, congrats on your good health. Continued. Same thing for you, Jerry. So glad everybody's healthy and and on the good side of the of the of the ugly. And uh, uh, Jose, thanks for asking me to come surprise you. I hope I hope uh, hope you were surprised, Wayno, with all of us. I was definitely uh, surprised. Yeah. Uh, room, Dan. Full of, room full of heroes. Love you guys, man. Thanks a lot. Right, thank you, man. Dan. Love you too. Bye, Dan. Dan. Thanks, buddy. Oh, I thought he'd never fucking leave. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what an asshole. But you know, you were talking, Jesus, what a dick. You were talking about how to get the <laughs> I think when you're back, you weren't saying anything in this band. Exactly. <laughs> Walter, we're safe. We're so far from LA. <laughs> but when, you're, when your back's against the wall uh, in a situation, you know, adrenaline can take you down or it can carry you through the thing. And for me, <clears throat> when I get in trouble, there's something that kicks in that, that carries me through, you know, if I'm nervous or whatever, something, as soon as we start doing it, something mm -hmm. changes like, Oh man, I got to do this shit right now. And, and something changes for the, for the better, you know, and kicks the nervousness aside for a moment, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. most of us experience that at one time or another, you know, when our backs against the wall. Yeah. Well, yeah, honestly, the way the brain is, it, it it's set up, you know, cause you know, you guys, you guys are the musical masters. That's, you know, I'm, I'm a hack when it comes to this. My thing is the mindset stuff. This is, this is where I shine. And the way the brain works, your brain cannot differentiate between what is anxiety, you know, fear, those kind of things that we, we, we put like, you know, stage fright, stuff like that, that, that fear of what's going to come next. And the positive emotions that we relate to things like excitement, anticipation, you know, those, those positive things. It's just a definition that we put on it because it's the same neurochemicals that are occurring within our brains. Exactly the same. If you if you look at brain scans, if you look at the chemical signatures of things that are going on in your brain, there's no difference between the fear and anxiety that you have of a of the anticipated event and the excitement that you have of the anticipated event. So it's all in how you define it, and I think that's crucial, especially for young players or more or less experienced players. You know, we all experience that feeling of butterflies. 
that feeling of, you know, can I do this? The majority of people give into that and think that that is a sign that you can't do it as opposed to embrace it and say, this is a challenge and I'm going to step up to it. So all of you, I know this for a fact, even though, you know, I'm not in your heads, I'm not in your hearts, but I know this for a fact. You guys have all embraced that feeling of challenge and you step up to the plate and you say, let's dance, let's do this thing. Let's, let's, let's take it to the next level. So, you know, for, for each of you, you, you all, you all have a different way of going through that dance when you're, when you're stepping on stage, when you, when you're stepping in front of the mic to, to do that next take, how do you face that question of do I run or do I just face this down and just say, you know, this take, you're going to be my bitch. So, well, I'm going to jump in before I'm going to jump in because mine's to a much lesser degree than the rest of the guys in this room. So that's um, not true, Frank. <laughs> well, come on now. Hey, we were just doing? talking about Tom Malone. I was telling Jerry, Tom talks about you guys so much. Um, you know, in short, I'll tell you right now, I always tell young students, it's good to do a whole bunch of things because you need to, at some point, do a gig you can barely do. The reason I say that is because if things get a little hard or tricky, you can always do that brain trick on yourself, which is if I could do that gig, I can do this gig. I mean, it's like if it's just so hard. But the main thing is I think you have to have a lot of different kind of playing experiences because at some point, like with Letterman, the trick was to don't think about anything because Paul could change his mind in a heartbeat. You know, I had a cue once where um, Paul said, can you go ta-da on a high F just on cue? Now, I don't know if Paul means high F, RF or F concert. So I got to look quickly at the keyboard to see which, which he means because he sometimes could mean both. And then he'd say, can you play Westminster Cathedral on piccolo trumpet? And, go, and he starts singing it. I'm going to start getting the piccolo out real quick. And, and now Dave's interviewing the guests. I'm thinking anything could happen. He says, well, my, maybe we'll do saber dance and, 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 a, and a blues. You know, Frank, your notes, this note. And so, so you're thinking of all that stuff and you've got a chart out and that chart's like four pages of con continuous playing. And I tell people that with all that in mind, Paul will call something else. So you have to put your piccolo down quick, grab your bass trumpet and start playing that. So if your mind is anywhere in particular, you'll freak out. So the trick, the cool part, the tricky part is to just don't think about anything. Yeah. And know that, and know that when, when it's time to play, you just pick up your horn and it'll just be there in your brain. But I think you have to kind of do a lot of different kinds of things to have that comfort. So I think maybe the trick is you got to do a lot of different kinds of stuff. There's no time to get for you. There's no time to get nervous. You're always nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, all of a sudden you have to do something. You have to do it right now. They, they change their mind. There's no time to think about it and freak out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. For me, That's it's concentrating on the music. You know that that if it's difficult, concentrate on the music, and that'll pull you through. He is not kidding. And I got to say that when I first kind of got to know Jerry and Gary a little bit and did a couple of sessions and watched their focus, just and, and focus, even if it's on one lick, they were not going to let that lick go until they completely had it surrounded, you know, and I'd be like, oh, that was pretty good. Was it? Mm, well, let's do it again. They didn't they they weren't thinking about things like. Um, what I have to do tonight or a chart I got to write tomorrow or how do my chops feel? There is all about how can I get this lick in the as moment. good as possible, you know? And I, I was just, uh, it really made an impression on me to watch their work ethic and to go at that without fear. 
like how much gas do I have in the tank, you know, or try to pace themselves like Wayne talks about having to do on a live gig. But in a studio environment, that was really a, a kind of a, a epiphany for me to watch those guys commit to it. And I think that the nature of that commitment, if you're just focusing, you're not thinking about, you know, all the things that might make you nervous. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and, you know, again, that, that's like my ballywick right now is, is the, the mindfulness world. And that's what mindfulness is all about. It's just being in that moment. You can't worry about what you did a minute ago. You can't worry about what you're going to do the next minute. It's just be here, you know, be present. And, and like Jerry, you know, you were saying it's the music. And I think sometimes we worry so much as musicians, whether you're, uh, you know, somebody like, you know, Wayne, who's who's getting quadruple scale uh, or you're, you're, that hasn't you're, happened in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I got triple scale today, though, from Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, or, or, or you're you know, you're, you're playing a bar gig for, you know, two two drink tokens and, and some, uh, you know, uh, and some publicity. Um, it's the. It, it's your commitment to just being in that moment and doing what you love, which is creating music, creating this this wonderful experience that comes from your heart and touches the hearts of other people. And that's something that that you each are so uniquely adept at. Um, so, you know, when we think about how uh, our our different experiences come together, so. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump over to Walter for just a second. So uh, Walter, you know, you know, you and I recently had a yeah, we've had a couple hangs recently, you know, and um, you know, you're doing so much with with your session work in the Midwest, which is not necessarily you know most people don't think of that as being you know the the uh, the center of the recording industry, but you know, you, you've got you've got so much going on, and you have so many different demands oh, coming 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 your way, and and I how how do you approach the variety of styles that you're expected to play? You know, you, you're going to be expected to do something that that maybe really touches your heart artistically. And then you're going to be expected to play something that, yeah, you know, it, it's going to pay the bill. Uh, so how, how do you how do you go about uh, you know, making that that kind of transition between, you know, the stuff that really speaks to you as an artist and the stuff that's paying your bills? How do you make that 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 transition mentally? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, sometimes. But uh, yeah, in this in this climate that we're in right now, I'm just happy to have anything come across the desk, you know. Recording-wise, you know, was working on some video game trailers last week and an animated version of Hansel and Gretel the, the week before that, and some My Christmas stuff before that, and you know, I'm I'm just happy to have anything come in um, commercial-wise, which is great. Um, but yeah, getting back to that other question before that, and I'll get back to this, but that's that's one of the things that I think that we kind of learn from Maynard is to to stay in the moment and let the energy of the music carry you through that stuff and not let let the uh, the worry about like am I going to make it through this tune or anything like that he, mm -hmm. he would just breathe and say oh it's going to be great you know <laughs> and that's basically that I think that was that was you know the coolest thing that 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 I got from from that whole thing you know it's it happens now it's gone it's history we're in the moment and, and looking forward to things that are coming but uh yeah as far as the assignments go yeah some some of the things can be a drag and I've, I've actually been playing a lot more bone lately which is great I've been, I've been using this time to really 
I, I started on tubas. I told you in our interview thing. Oh, those are my birds. Sorry. I don't know if you can hear the birds in the background. <laughs> I thought I was in the shower with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I thought it was my dog toy. Uh, that's that's a Malukan cockatoo, Abby. She's uh, my studio is down in the basement where we have um, my lady is an animal rescuer, and so she's we're down from eleven birds to seven birds, and. <laughs> They all live down here, and this is past their bedtime, and so I've got the lights on, and so they're... I understand why there's only seven left. They are delicious. I was going to say something about a cock or two, but uh, just <laughs> leave that alone, Wayne. Hey, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I stuffed my bird this year. <laughs> But uh, anyway, but that, I don't know if that answers your question, dude. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like everything can be like a, you know, uh, an El Jerro Jerry Hay tune, right? Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 no, it's I, that's I, I mean, I wish everything was like that <laughs> that came across. Yeah, that that that's the stuff that inspired so many of us. Uh, so, Wayno, uh, you know, with with all with the stuff that you've been going through right now. And your transition. I mean, I, you know, you and I have talked. We talked, uh, you know, a few days ago, um, and you're expressing to me some of the, you know, the issues that you were going through in your recuperation process and how, you know, your your playing is just not where you want it to be. It's not, it, it, you know, you're not the Wayne Bergeron that you were prior to this treatment. And you know, it, this is not, you know, this is not a slight. This is just a statement of fact. Uh, because as you go through weight change, you go through all the different things that go on with your, your body chemistry, yeah. you know, things change. So, you know, so many people take for granted that, you know, what they were able to do 10 years ago or even 10 days ago is going to stay consistent. But for somebody at your level where, you know, you are in many ways, uh, in terms of, of uh, trumpet playing, especially in terms of studio trumpet playing, you have become somewhat the gold standard for uh, for for lead trumpet players uh, around the world. How do you manage this process of rebuilding and redefining yourself? And you know what what are the things that you're doing for yourself? Because I think if people can understand the processes that you're going through, the questions that you're asking of yourself and the way that you're approaching this, this is the stuff more than, you know, what mouthpiece do you use or, you know, what exercises you do every day? This mindset stuff is the stuff that is going to make the difference for so many people. So what are the ways that you're adjusting your mindset to approach the inevitable changes that you've have that you have had to uh, incur in your approach to the trumpet to get you to the to where you want to be next. Well, the pandemic's a bit of an advantage to my mindset in this because I don't have to worry about a bunch of work. So it actually is an advantage in this thing. So I'm not panicking about. Oh, am I going to be able to play this gig? The gigs I'm doing, I can play. I do Family Guy still regularly. It's, it's always pretty easy. So that little bit of pressure has been taken off me. But I have been, uh, I mean, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing 
pretty well. I mean, I'm pretty strong. There's some things that have changed and I'm realizing that they're probably changed permanently. Um, just like where my harmonic break is in my range and things like that. Um, it's moved down. You know, like for instance, high G used to be at the break. High G is now over the break. If that makes any sense. I know it makes sense to Walter and Frank. Yeah. Gordon's going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so, so, so Gordon's going to write everything at high G and above. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm dealing with that. And uh, I think it's because I'm not as strong. I'm not creating as much compression. So well, that's why I'm exercising and I'm trying to. So, I mean, you know, we just have to kind of face the, the problems in front of us. And now, so what do I do? So I know I have to practice, but what do I practice? Uh, so I'm not sure. So what do I do? I'm going to go to the next level and I'm going to call people that might know. So I call Bobby Shu, you know, who's kind of my go-to problem solver for these kind of things for sure, because he knows a lot about the human body. <clears throat> and so I called him and talked to him about this a little bit. Um, and I just ask a lot of questions from my colleagues and things and get some advice from different people on how do I approach this and I also going back to things I used to do that I had success with that maybe I got away from, like some of the Bill Adams stuff and things like that. And even Caruso and things like that come, well, let me do these things again. I used to do them, you know, not religiously, but I used to do them. And I, uh, matter of fact, I've got a call out to my buddy, Greg Wing, um, who went to IU and, uh, and uh, to ask him questions about, uh, some of the Adam stuff because he passes that down onto his, uh, you know, his students. And uh, so I'm just trying to get perspectives of things that work and uh, things I know are going to be beneficial to my playing and, and, and not just grab grasping from one person grasping, like, cause those, all these things that are valid, you know, and how we do anything, you know, there's always differences of opinion. You know, you can, a trumpet is a great example of that. You look at Claude Gordon, you look at James Stamp, you look at Bill Adam and, uh, and there's very contradicting views on what's actually happening, but they're all kind of getting to the same place. How do you become a great trumpet player? You know, and, uh, and Jerry, you know, we talked about a podcast that you talked about, uh, who was the trumpet teacher you studied with before uh, Mr. Adam? Charles Geyer. Yeah. And you I'm talked about, that was a very different approach. And you talked about what a great trumpet player he was, you know, and how elegant he played and everything. And then the first time you heard Mr. Adam play, you said, well, he's good, but he's a little rough around the edges compared to your use of this other thing. But Mr. Adam brought this other thing to the table for Jerry that even contradicted some of the stuff that he was learning before. And it yeah. became the the gold standard for Jerry. Right. As far right. as when he started. So <clears throat> you have to like think outside the box and go, I'm going to listen to what this person has to say. You know, even yeah. though it might not be what you think yeah so you have to be very open-minded about all those things i think and then we find ways of we find ways of incorporating all those things that you know that these different people have had to say and put it in one place and go oh, this kind of can all kind of work yeah so that's how, that's how i think about it <laughs> yeah actually i was I, I was just uh having some correspondence with bobby shoe speaking of bobby and Bobby and I were talking about that, that concept of, you know, Bobby is saying something like, you know, well, this is the way I think about it. And, you know, that's just the way I think about it. And that's, that's exceptionally true. And I think so many people have a hard time and it's mostly driven by ego that we want to think that we've got it all figured out. But uh, 
I like to use the old, it's actually a story that predates Rumi, but most people attribute it to Rumi. It's a part of Buddhist tradition and Hindu tradition, stuff like that. It's a story about the five elephants or the, the five blind men and five blind men and an elephant. So the story is that there's an elephant that's brought into a room with these five blind guys, and none of them have ever experienced an elephant before. And each of them is touching a different part. So one's touching the trunk, one's touching the, the tusk, one's trunk, touching the leg, one's touching the, the side, one's touching the tail. And they're each asked to describe what an elephant's like. And, you know, and each one of them is giving a different description. You know, like the tusk feels like something that's, you know, hard and sharp. And something, you know, the, the tail feels like something that's like a snake. And the, the, the tail, you know, the, the leg feels like something that's like a tree trunk. So none of them is wrong but none of them is completely right. And I think in terms of like pedagogy, you know, if you're able to get a result, it's not wrong because the, the end result is what really matters. But no one method is completely right because it only can speak to the person who can understand the concepts. And I think keeping our minds and our hearts open to the variety of ways that something can be expressed the the probably the most beneficial thing that you can do to just blindly adhere to one methodology or to one you know kind of concept it, it eliminates so much potential and that's one of the things that i really admire about you know what you're doing right now is you know you're searching for answers you're not like just like grasping at straws but you're looking for things that have concrete solutions and if it works it works if it doesn't work it doesn't work let's move on to the next one and i think so many people get so blinded particularly in terms of like the way our educational system is set up that that there's one methodology that that works better than all of the others so uh like uh, for for the rest of you guys i mean how how do you feel about that you know do you want to chime in on on that for a second not really <laughs> uh, thanks you know, gary yeah yeah oh yeah you know uh fear is a funny thing we all uh have to stand up to it and it's a fear that we uh, we make real in our own mind and usually it doesn't even exist. So by stepping up to that and everybody here uh, that I've been, especially with Jerry and with you, Wayno, fuck, Wayno's gone. He said, fuck this. I think he went to the bathroom. <laughs> hey, potty break. He's taking, drinking thing. tequila. <laughs> he didn't have his but, diaper on but uh, 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 and Frank you, you've experienced that Walter I don't know you never played with you but I'm sure you've experienced that where this uh, this thing we, we man up you know and it's no place to hide with the trumpet it really isn't and um, I learned uh, many years ago with uh, one of my earliest recording dates in LA was with uh, Henry Mancini. And I was going out on the road with him doing a, being a future uh, soloist and, and on Silver Street, he hired me to play first trumpet. And the cue wasn't very friggin' hard. It wasn't, it, it was, you know, it was a two page theme or something. 
And I really played it very, very well, except for the last note. <laughs> now, that'll get your attention. When, you're, <laughs> when you get to, and you go on a B flat above the staff, you know what I mean? There's nothing. nothing. And, uh, and he looked at me in total surprise, like, where the fuck did that come from? And I looked at him and I says, I'm getting, getting a lot of work because I'm getting known for missing the last note on cues. <laughs> it just came out of my mouth and he laughed and remember we did it again, no problem. It's, so I learned uh, years ago, you know, and, and, and Jerry is so smart that uh, with, with the way we ran the section, and well, I tried to run it, but Jerry, he really <laughs> ran it, and, uh, and, and and just being able to, uh, uh, you know, go in and fix things. If if uh, uh, and Wayno, you were such an integral part of doing some ridiculous stuff. And when Jerry and I came to town, we got next to Fearless Finley. This is going back to that theme again about the inner fear, because Chuck was fearless. Ain't no lie. That boy was fearless. Mm -hmm. he, he, it wasn't that he was, uh, didn't know about it. He just didn't, he didn't care. He had all the confidence in his own talent and his own abilities and his own ears and his musical judgment, you know? I think that's what uh, attracted me to Chuck so much and, and Jerry too, is that, uh, and that's been a, 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 a amongst trumpet players and not to put any other instruments below us. But they, they are, are, they are all below <laughs> Gordon, uh, well, sorry about that. It, it comes with, it comes with a territory, you know, and it does because we're, there's no place to hide in it. And, uh, you know, you got the Yuan races, you got, the Sergei Nekarikov says this, you know, uh, you know, he's incredible. He's incredible. And I've seen Wayne step up to the plate and do stuff at, oh, we got to do this eight in the morning or seven in the morning. And I'm going, geez. Whose right. idea was that eight o'clock in the morning? Oh, I think yours. It must, must, must be Gordon's. <laughs> Gordon, do you wake up at eight in the morning? There was a time, yeah. There, the COVID, COVID era, no. There was a time back in the 90s and I was working at Warner Brothers doing all the animated stuff on those Spielberg shows and I would get up and start writing at 8.30 or 9 and I'd pretty much go till midnight because the, the amount of minutes we had to get through complex yeah. timings and all much of 16th notes, it just took that oh much my time. God. So, so that was, uh, you know, I had that had energy to do that back in those yeah. days. All right. Well, here's what, here's what I want to do. And I, uh, so, Gordon, you're new to this. Uh, all the other guys have been part of uh, my podcast. And, I, and yeah. I'm actually honored because, Gordon, you are the first non-Trumpet player to be on my podcast. Right. So. It does feel a little awkward. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. So it, it's, it, it's okay. It's okay. Just relax. <laughs> just, just accept it. Uh, but uh, I do this thing. And uh, it's sponsored by my my good friend Kenny Robinson, Robinson's Remedies, of which Walter is the brand ambassador. Um, and I, I used to be just called a, a speed study round. This is called the uh, Robinson's Remedies Rapid Fire Round. It's a series of 
questions and just want your quickest response. But because all of you other than Gordon have been on the show before, I don't want to use the same questions. So I created a new set of questions that are specific to our guest of honor today, Uh-oh. the one and only Wayne Bergeron. Yeah. So I'm going to throw out. Oh, this is this is going to be scary, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is like a roast. This is like a flyer, Friars Club roast. So uh, and so, Gordon, if you haven't figured it out yet, there is no censorship on this show. So feel free yeah, to it's... just just be as completely honest as possible. All right. So uh, we're going to go around the horn. We're going to start with Walter, and yes, we're going to go, go around. Uh, Walter, what is your favorite Wayne Bergeron track? Uh, the uh, Oh Holy Night, I think, is probably my favorite track. Okay, Gordon Goodwin, what is your favorite Wayne Bergeron track? Probably, um, probably Years of Therapy. Okay, Gary. Yeah. What is your favorite Wayne Bergeron track? I, I don't have one. I really don't. Uh, they all suck. No, no, they're all great. <laughs> okay. Anything that Wayne does is beautiful. He produced all of them, so he likes them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told him what to play. Do it again. <laughs> Jerry, do you have a comment on that? Dirty Loops. Oh, mm. ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good, good, good. All right, and we're going to stay with, with Jerry. And um, if there was going to, if you were going to write a movie about the life of Wayne Bergeron, <laughs> this is a two-part question. What would the title be, and who would you cast to play Wayne? Wow. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. The title of the movie. Um, uh, you can, Lee, Lee Liberace comes to mind. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, boy, that's, that's a good one. I mean, you caught me on the before. Uh, fastest tongue in the West. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, it's a pun. It's a pun. And you know, I'd, I'd have to cast. Uh, wow, I don't that's know. Good, Jerry. That's good. I, I have, I'm waiting on the. We're waiting on, on the, the actors, actors, the resumes to come in on this. I think. Oh, you know what? I, for, I forgot Frank on that last round. Frank, Frank oh, so thanks, we got man. We got We got to double up. You were hitting in the middle. So, so Frank, I'm calling call Louis Farrakhan right now. He's on the phone. Hold on. Where's, <laughs> hey. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Where, yeah, where, no, where, 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 you didn't even ask me. Where's Al Sharpton? Okay. <laughs> Al Sharpton. He's on the. Hold on. Yeah, Al. No, I got him both on. Hold on, Al. Yeah, fifty million. All right, all right. Okay. So let's go with that first question first. What's your favorite Wayne Bergeron track? And then, what movie would you? Uh, what title would you you uh, write uh, for a Wayne Bergeron movie? And who would you cast for it? So you get a triple. Ooh, man, that's a tricky one. Well, I'll tell you, my, one of my favorites is Hospital Blues, and uh, you know, I think I'm I'm kind of weird. I kind of like the the kind of the more mellow kind of stuff, even if a guy can play high notes. So I like Hospital Blues. It's one of my favorite ones. That's good. Uh, uh, Wayne is a movie star. Wayne is a movie star. So after Cas, Wayne is himself. Ooh. So that's my answer. Suck up. What was the third one? But what, 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 what would, if, you're, if you're writing that movie, that, that movie about the life of Wayne Bergeron, what would the title be? Oh, wow. Are people listening for real right now? Can you edit this out or? Uh, they'll be edited <laughs> out. Not uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I well, you know, here's um, wait, maybe the title will be One Night at Roscoe's. 
Rascals. <laughs> that chicken and waffles. Maybe Wayne's the only one that gets that it joke. Could be a, it could yeah. be a porn movie. It could be called "Is It In Yet?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On our way to Roscoe's. Fried welcome to. Welcome to my tuna can. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. I'm getting embarrassed here. Gary, Gary, let's go ahead and go with that. You're you're writing that movie about the life of Wayne Bergeron. What's the title going to be? And who are you going to cast as the lead in that role? Uh, I'm going to cast Jillian. Uh, uh, I forget remember her last name. Jillian um, <laughs> and and uh, 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 I think what Wayne would be the title of the movie would be something like. One bad motherfucker. I think something like that would it'd be, it'd be a, uh, you know, it'd be like a, a, an adult film for sure. <laughs> oh my. Oh, okay. Let's move on to the. But a good adult film for. <laughs> Let's see what Gordon's got to say about this. Gordon. Uh, I, I do have a title. It's uh, uh, Wayne Bergeron Caught in the Act. <laughs> and there's a story behind the title that I'm not going to tell. But, oh, please, please yeah, do but, tell. But it, do tell. Introducing Rosie O'Donnell as Wayne as Wayne Bergeron. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good. Rosie O'Donnell. Right. Oh, okay, and let's bring it all over. Uh, yeah, it's a wine speaking. Let's bring it over to Walter White. Walter, what do you have to say about this? Well, that's a that's a tough one too, man. Um, I would probably just call it Wayne's World. <laughs> Party <laughs> on, excellent, excellent. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I I think you know, Kino Kino would be a pretty good choice for for Wayne. Whoa! I was thinking somebody like Carrot Top or Carrot Top, somebody like that. Oh, okay. Now we're we're gonna get real here. Um. Here we go. What is the one thing that you that Wayne can do that you wish that you could do as well as Wayne? And let's go to Walt back to Walter for that one. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> what is one thing that Wayne can do that you wish that you could do as well as him? Um Pull chicks. Ooh. Oh. Hey, bar, Barb is a hottie. Barb is a hottie. Gordo. Well, I, I'd say that uh, it's uh, one or two things. It's I wish I could drink like he drinks because it doesn't matter how much he drinks, it never he never changes his behavior. He just throws it down and he's still lame. Yeah, I wanna add I wanna add that one too as well. That's good. <laughs> That, or, you start your day drunk. Then I don't know whether you're setting the bar really high or really low. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good reputation. The other thing, I, I might trade that out for uh, to have his uh, uh, his ability to work with tools because he can go in the backyard and build, you know, a deck, and uh, he can fix your car, and he can take your computer apart. You know, he, the guy's really got some game when it comes to that stuff. Okay, Gary, That's what good. do you what do you have to say about that? What What's one thing that you wish you could do like Wayne? Uh, I'd like to have, oh, you said Jerry, go ahead. 
Gary, Gary. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. Okay, well, I would say just you know, <laughs> be as good a, as good a person as Wayne is. He he's been great. Um, you know, he he's kind of come on with Gary and me and Chuck lately, and you know, shown um, his respect for what we did, and you know, I appreciate that a lot. So you know, that's that that's. Uh, you know, I wish I had done that with some of the, you know, generation before me as well as Wayne has done with us. No, that's awesome. That's Frank, really what you got to say? Well, I mean, besides eat Gus's chicken by the gallon, by the half, by the, you know, by the pound, um, I'd have to agree with, with, with uh, Jerry and say, just be a nice person like he is. I mean, that's, it's pretty amazing that, I mean, it's like all of you guys on this call. I mean, I feel kind of like, 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 you do, Jose. It's like to see you guys on, on my on my on my screen. It's kind of a freak out because you know I admire everybody so much in this phone call. So I'd say you know just try to be a, the kind of people that I see on my screen right now. And so that includes Wayne, obviously. So, Got to go with that one. Gary, what you got to say? Uh, what was the question now, Jose? <laughs> what is the, What is the one thing that Wayne does that you wish you could do as well as him? You know, I've, I'm searching, 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 and I'm not really coming up with anything. You're uh, better, better than me anyway. So. You know, uh, that, that, that's not true. Uh, Wayne's uh, endurance, his uh, reading, his feel, his time. Uh, you know, I've been there a lot of times when he's led us through the promise to the promised land uh, as a player and um, just uh, and everything everybody likes Wayne because he includes everybody. I think that's magical. I really do. All right. Well, now, now you're going to be the first person to answer this question. What's the one thing that you are thankful to God above for nothing more than the fact that you do this unlike Wayne Bergeron? Uh, I don't, I'm not a, a, a big, a big as studio whore. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, we, we all know that's a lie, Gary. We know that's a lie. You've admitted on my podcast that you were a big studio prostitute. Oh, I was, I was. And, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I, I just... Uh, Shoot, you know, I never looked at Wayne that way. I, I, I'd like to be funny about it, but, uh, you know, I just admire everything about him, you know, as uh, we spent three records together and uh, a lot of time there in the back room. And he was always, always there, always there, always willing, right attitude. Yeah. So, Did you guys I'm together not, in the back room, exactly, specifically? That back room is serious, boy. <laughs> <laughs> what stays in the, what, what happens in the back room stays in the back room, Gordon. Okay. Yeah, you should you should know that by now. Uh, Frank, what are you thankful that you do not do like WB? Well, you know, when Wayne's in New York, I always get up around two in the morning because I. You know, he's strangled down to the West Village and he's got the pink underwear on. I got to get him out the street. Besides that, um, you know, I think I got to agree with him. It's embarrassing. I've got video, so I'll send it to you for five bucks. But, um, you know, 
I, I, there's nothing I there's nothing I could do that Wayne can't do. So I guess I can't really, you know, qualify an answer. But I think that's going to be my answer: is that getting Wayne out of the West Village before the cops get there. <laughs> All right, Jerry. We know that you can do everything that anybody else can do any better. So, uh, what is it that that you just like? Oh my God! Thank God I don't do this like Wayne. What is it? Drink his bad wine. Oh, 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 man, man you are such a French wine snob. <laughs> it's like, ah, you're, you're weasel piece Napa Valley wine. Fart <laughs> <laughs> in your general direction, you son of a city English pig dog. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know, truth hurts. Oh, my God. I got to come over there and get educated. That's what I need to do. <laughs> Next session. Right there. I, I got to go, guys. Um, Wayne, you know, greatest of news. You know, I've been there. You know, I know how great it is to get that news. So, you know, I'm, I'm very happy for you. And, you know, I know you're going to come back 100%, if not more. Thanks, Jerry, man. It's great. Yeah. To see you. Love you, man. Good to see you. I thank Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Walter, nice to talk to you, too. <laughs> Gary, I'll see you later. All right. <laughs> Love you, man. Bye, Jose. Bye. All right. Bye-bye, Jerry. All right. We're going to pass it on to Gordon. Gordon, what is the one thing that you are just most thankful for? Every night when, every night when you go to bed, every morning when you wake up and you go, at least I'm not Wayne Bergeron. So what is that thing? I'm, I'm kind of glad I never went to jail. Well. Kind of a, I consider that kind of an accomplishment. And he's, he's, only, he's not really joking either. That's kind of a low bar to set. But so that's another master that. class for another Zoom call for another time that I can right another time, you. right. I never went, to, never went to jail. Wow. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> really fun. Okay. <laughs> Okay, kids, you want to know the secret of how to get that double high C? You gotta learn you gotta learn how to pucker up. Yeah, Bob, Bob, I can show you if you want to know. <laughs> Walter, what you got? Oh man, I I'm at a loss, bro. I'm you know that's a tough call. That's a tough one. Well, okay. Well we'll we'll, we'll let you pass and we'll go to this next question. Okay, thanks. Okay. So I gotta go after that one. All right. Got to get going soon too. But. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, what's the most underrated thing about Wayne Bergeron, in your opinion? Is it still on me? Yep, it's on, still on you. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just really just getting to know Wayne in this last year. So I, you know, there's, I'm sure Frank can probably answer that. Um, the most underrated thing, I, I, I don't think that there. I think people know how great he is. I don't think there's anything that's under underrated about about Wayne. So, you know, maybe I'll learn more the the more I know him. <laughs> I can show you all my shortcomings. <laughs> there's plenty uh, keep, of them, that's for sure. Keep I your pants up, that. Wayne. Keep your pants up. Uh, yeah. Gordon, let, let's let's do a double up on this one. What is the most underrated aspect of Wayne, and what is the most overrated aspect of Wayne Bergeron? Well, you know, the, the, his trumpet playing is, um, as great as it is, it's kind of not the point. The point is his musicality. 
So if there's a question about tempo or feel or interpretation or anything, he's he he's he knows about that stuff. So I mean, we're talking about a minute ago about evolving as a musician, you know, and 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 as change happens in your life. And and if he decides, okay, I don't want to play trumpet anymore, he he could he could easily go into producing music. His his technical knowledge is exemplary. You know, he knows how to run Pro Tools and all that stuff. He's got all the gear. He knows how to use it. He does the nuts of the tech and the music. <laughs> and so I think he could go there, and and that would be the next act of of his life. Um, and it would be way different, you know, than what he's become known for. But um, so. I, I don't know if everybody is quite as aware because there's if you see somebody who can pound out those notes with such power and accuracy, that's impressive and it get, grabs your attention. But it's maybe the flashiest thing about him, but I don't think it's the the purest thing about about him as a musician. Well said. Awesome. Yeah, that I you know I agree with you hundred percent, other than the musicality point. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Frank, what you got for me, buddy? Underrated. Wow. You know, I think that the thing is Wayne is so, so, I don't know, he's not ego driven. So I, there's really nothing about him that's underrated, I think, or I should say overrated because Wayne is not going to beat his own drum. You know, before I forget, um, Gary Grant, Chuck, I mean, uh, Gary Grant, Wayne and I were talking about you not long ago, and we were also talking about how much Tom Malone just loves you to death. I mean, he between you, you and 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 Jerry, he he talked about you guys more. I feel like I know both of you guys so much because Tom talks about you so much. So I just wanted to let you know because Tom can't. Thank, I said earlier he can't be here to lie, and you know. So th thank you, Frank, for that. Appreciate that, man. Really do. So, and so, yeah. Well, I can't tell you it's such a great honor to be able to see you. Sorry, Wayne. We're, I'm hijacking. No, that's okay, man. I I had to just I had to just throw some love and appreciation your way because it's you know. You know, I, anyway, followed so getting, you, I followed you a lot too, Frank. I've watched your career just bloom, man. Great, oh. kudos to you, man. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you are, you, you are a great add to the fifteenth uh, season of Cops, Frank. So I have to really thank you for that. For <laughs> <laughs> well, I had, I had my screw the police shirt on, but I was actually, but Farrakhan was on the call, so I, I got, I got into jail. <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's it. I think, you know, Wayne, I've known you for so long now. I feel like I've, I really don't know a time I didn't know you. So, you know, Wayne's just a good dude. If you didn't know he's a monster trumpet player, you you wouldn't know because he doesn't walk around with a shirt that says I'm better than you. So I think it's a cool thing. So, you know, I think all of the above and none of the above, he's just a great dude. So, Man, you know, Jose and all of you and, uh, you know, this has been quite an ego, uh, <laughs> ego <laughs> pump up for me, you know, tonight and, uh, and I'm I'm flattered and embarrassed, <laughs> and uh, and and all and, and all of this. So and I'm I'm gonna probably start crying. So I've got to I don't want to do that. I don't want to show anybody that I'm a wimp, you know. But bitch, uh, bitch. The sweetest, sweetest things anybody's ever done for me, other than that one uh, person I met. Anyway, that's yeah. Another, that was that was fifteen. That was fifteen <laughs> bucks and twenty years ago when I was on the way in the west of village that night. You know? <laughs> But, but here's the thing, Wayne, um, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of went back and forth on what, what I wanted to do with this because one, you know, like we've talked about before, I want people to understand that you are a human being 
and and that's that's part of what what drives this podcast is I want people to be able the average trumpet player to get a chance to talk to the people that they idolize and realize that they're just human beings. They're just they're just the guy that is just a little bit better at what they do than what you do. But you know, we're we still all put our pants on one leg at a time. I mean, I have to do it three legs at a time, but that's a different story. But <laughs> they call him Jose the human tripod. Yeah. <laughs> but but we're all, you know, we're we're all just humans and we're all just trying to 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 do our best to exist on this planet and try to make it a little bit better. So the fact though that all of you guys, and for me, this this is just, I mean, honestly, I'm being I'm just being completely transparent. And it may be the wine, it may be the Cabernet talking, but all of you have been inspiration to me as a player. You know, Walter, uh, you know, Gary, you know, I've grown up listening to Gary, you know, that that's how old Gary is. I've grown up with <laughs> it's like biblical, it's biblical. Age. Yeah, I know. It's it's like <laughs> dang. It's like, dang. you know, Abraham, Isaac. Gary, yeah, you know, you know, who, who was president when Gary was the, was a kid? With Julius Caesar, <laughs> yeah. it was a price of bread. It was a chicken. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Frank <laughs> Wayne, you guys, Gordon, room. <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> you know, I've been a big fan of your work, Gordon. Uh, you know, for, from the early days. Actually, I remember when I was in college uh, playing some of your charts. When I was in college, uh, that was back in, of course, in the the late seventies, early eighties, but. Uh, you know, all of you guys have impacted me and so many people have been commenting recently to me on, on the, the work that this podcast has been doing saying, oh man, you're doing such a great thing and you have all these great people and how do you manage to do that? And it's like, it's because they're people, you know, these are all people. And I want people to understand that we all have the same fears. We all have the same obstacles. We have, we all have the same shit that we go through. And when we can do that, we can, we can, we can, we can, we can connect with each other on a much deeper level. So Wayne, you have impacted so many of us in terms of your musicality, you know, as a trumpet player, you're, you know, you're phenomenal. You're an inspiration to most of us, uh, you know, as a person, and that's the most important part as a person, everybody who's, who knows you, other than the few people that you stiffed, you inspired us all <laughs> to be better human beings. So we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate that right now. We yeah. want you to know how important you are to us because, you know, you beat this thing and, and you know, we're, we're at this point in the game, but I can tell you from fact, you know, as a, as a cancer survivor, there's not a day that I, I, that I wake up where I don't realize the fact that my mortality is facing me. You know, I, I know that every day that there's a potential, even if it's a limited potential, there's a potential that my cancer is going to come back. And if it comes back, the odds are definitely not in my favor because of the nature of my cancer, the, the, the odds are not in my favor that I'm going to beat it. And I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm trying to be a realist. But what I'm saying is that every day I wake up and I'm thankful for the fact that I can wake up and that I can, and that I can contribute. And then that motivates me to contribute more than I would if it was just another day of waking up. 
and just doing my job. And so I know that that's always motivated you to try to do your best. But I think now that you've got that extra edge to push you forward, to even do more than you did before, I think that that's going to put you in a position where you're going to be able to create a change in people's lives that are just much more than listen to that fat ass double A double A that Wayne played on on that tune, you know. So I thank all of you for being here and being a part of this and celebrating Wayne. And I hope that this that if you get nothing else from this, it's not an ego stroke for the sake of just ego stroking you. It's encouraging you to say, you have got a new opportunity laid out in front of you. And the challenge to you is how badly do you want to kick this in the ass? You know, how much of a difference do you, Wayne Bergeron, want to make in the world other than he's just- a, He's already done that, Jose. He's, know, already, right? kicked it, he's yep. already kicked his ass. And Wayne Bergeron, I know him like I know anybody on this planet. And he is a doer and a lover of life. And he stands up for the highest standards of human mankind. Yep. I mean, I mean yep. that. It sounds like a bunch of bullshit, but it ain't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've been there with him a, a lot, a lot of hours. And uh, I, I'm just grateful that I got to play with him so much. And Wayne, I am really extremely grateful that you have kicked this in the butt, too. And I know you're going to move on and not deal with this you know, the thing about getting things again, you know, at 75 years old, I should be dead. And I'm not, I'm, well, you've, I'm not, done a few, you've done a few things to help that mom. You can just see it coming, right? And, and I, just, I just don't concern myself with that fear. Again, we go back to that fear shit, and I'm just not going to go there. And, and Jose, what you say, and it's totally true, too, because... Wayne has, he's only begun and uh, he, he, his musicality will take him, Gordon, what you said is, will take him further than anything because that's the bottom line of his musicianship is extremely, extremely uh, at the top of the list. And uh, just love you to death, Wayne. I do, man. Gary, You're very special, you man. You know, I love you too, man. And Gary, thank you, man. Cause you know, while I was going through this stuff, you know, we talked on the phone and we talked about some spiritual stuff and, and uh, you really helped me, you know, you helped me deal with some of the shit I was dealing with. And, you know, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. I think as I crazy think Gary, as it is, I embrace all of it. <laughs> I think know, that I Gary you. makes a really good, good point though, because when you go through, uh, when you go through uh, hardships, all of us do, and it, and it seems like it sucks, and it does in a lot of ways. On the other hand, it's also an opportunity for growth, and it's an opportunity to, to learn a lesson. And I can see a, a, a difference in Wayne's uh, understanding of his humanity because of going through this, and the fact that he, like you say, Jose, you get up and you go, up oh, today, I feel good, and I don't have cancer, and and you and you you become a you become aware of uh, the sense of gratitude that. You know, we all uh, need to remember, even in a, in a pandemic and even when the music business is in the toilet and all the shit that's going on, 
there are always people that are way worse than us that would trade yeah. places with us in a minute. Exactly. And so, and so Wayne talks about how he, he you know, I, I don't want to cry and everything. And, and um, but I know uh, I've talked to other friends that have gone through, you know, cancer treatments and it does tend to kind of bring your emotions out, you know, a little bit more apparent. And, um, you know, we're, we're in a big boys club where sometimes, you know, raw emotions can be uncomfortable for some people, you know, but I agree with you, Gary. I mean, there, we don't have enough time to not love each other and, and tell each other that we love each other and, to, and that we appreciate you, you know, each other. There's not yes. enough time to not say that shit. And so um, I completely agree with that and, um, and appreciate you all and appreciate you giving me a chance to come on here. From my, I've known Wayne since we were in high school and we met in an all-star band thing that we did together and, and that's a lot of decades and, and they're, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know a better musician and a finer person. So yeah. it's an yeah. honor. Yeah, well, you know, it, that, that, that's absolutely the thing is that, you know, I thought about this at one point. It's like, oh man, this is going to feel like too much like a eulogy sort of, sort of thing. But here's the thing. Most of us wait until it's too late to tell people how much they have impacted their our lives and how much we appreciate them. We wait until it's too late to do that. So what, you know, I don't want people to wait until I'm, you know, I'm in the casket to tell me what impact I've had. I want to know right now. And, you know, because that's going to spur me to do more because I will accomplish more if I know that what I'm doing is helping people to, to further their lives. So, you know, Wayne, you have touched the lives of so many people, whether it be, you know, your, your compatriots, people like Gordon and Gary and Frank and Walter who are at the top of the professional game, people like me who are just inspired by your work, you know, these up and coming young students of trumpet and music that, that are going to look at this, you know, why, why wait until it's too late to say, Wayne, you know, you're making an impact on us. And don't ever, ever think that for a moment that what you're doing is not making a difference in the world, because it is. Music makes a difference. And anybody who thinks that music doesn't make a difference, you're fooling yourself. Try listening to TV for an hour without music. Try listening to, you know, try driving to work without listening to any kind of music. Even if you're listening to news channels all the time, what are they playing during the commercial breaks? What are they playing during the bumpers? It's music. Music is a universal language. So musicians are important. Support your musicians. Appreciate your musicians. And it's not just about the money. It's about telling people that they are making a difference in your life. Speaking so. of that, I, Frank and, and Gary and Walter, and I wanted to thank you and Wayne Jose for the $500 stipend for doing this podcast. I really appreciate that. I mean, these times, right, guys? I mean, yeah, you're paying me $500. Yeah. Thank you, Frank. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank Gordon. The, Ven, the Venmo thing is, <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure yeah. I took care of you for saying all these nice things. You said them just like I told you to. So thank you. <laughs> going down the Remember, don't cash mine till the end of the week. Oh, hey, so, <laughs> hey, so uh, before I head off here, because my wife's waiting for me to eat, we've, we've put in a good amount of time here. I want to thank, first of all, thank all of you. I love, love you to death, man. And, and I, I'm flattered and humbled. And, and I just, you know, I didn't expect this, Jose. You surprised the shit out of me, man. 
And, uh, you know, and these are some of my favorite people in the world up here on the screen right now. It's the ugly Brady Bunch. Who's <laughs> Alice? Yeah, we need, I'll be we Alice. Need, we need Alice's fat ass in the middle. That's what we need, you know. But, uh, but you know, you know how I feel about all of you. And Jose, th I can't thank you enough for for doing this, man. I, I you know, you you've been beautiful to me. We've been friends for quite a while now. You know, from uh, when I met I met you when I was playing with Gordon's band the first time. I think is that true? Yeah, at the bowl. Yeah, yeah, at the Hollywood Bowl. Was that where it was? Was it the bowl? The first dropping a name. But I remember hanging with Jose in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yep. and, uh, and anyway, and we've just kind of kept in touch uh, over the years. And then the infamous hang we had with you and Mike Chickowitz, I and Frank. Oh, boy. In, yeah. In yeah, Chicago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and my wife was there. Barb was there. We weren't married yet. And, that, was uh, in Phil that was in Philadelphia. King oh, yeah. of Prussia. Oh, that was in Philadelphia. That's right. And the hang was just, you know, we were all piled into that little runner car to go drink and and uh, we've just, you know, we kind of just kept in touch and people impact your lives. You know, you came into my life uh, a couple of times and, you know, people come in and they stay, yeah. you know. And so I, I just want you to know, I appreciate you and uh, and thank you for, for doing this for me. And, and uh, it means, it really means the world to me, man. Yeah, Jose, good, good. It really, it really does, man. Thanks, Jose. Thanks for inviting me, Jose. And it's good to meet you, Gordon and, and Gary. Hadn't, hadn't met you cats before, but uh, love your work, man. Look. Can I change hey, uh, one Wayne. of my answers, by the way? I think a movie, the movie should be called Wayne Bergeron, Whiny Ass Bitch, starring Rosie O'Donnell. That's the name of the movie. Well, and I, I, I have to agree with that. And there's a lot of people that could play that part. That <laughs> would be important line. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah I, I think Frank would be good for that as well. So. Hey, man, what did I do? Hold on a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm fun. gonna, I'm gonna say goodnight. I love you all. You know that. I hope. And and uh, and Walter, we'll we'll do some more shit together. We were talking about that. And yes, for sure, I'll be sending uh, you stuff, man. If you haven't heard Walter's new CD, you got to check it out because it's, it's, it's. I mean, it's really jaw dropping. Fucking great. I, the writing I, and yeah. the flavor. I just actually, if if um, if you want, I just sent a um, chat link. To my Google Drive with all the uh, the final mixes of the the record on it. Awesome! Great, thank you for that. Yeah, and if I, I was going to give it to Jerry to check out too, so if one of you guys has his email or whatever, pass this along to Jerry too, because he's split. I'm gonna copy this. Right, I'm gonna hit you up, Walter. All right. Well, this this, 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 is, this is not on the group. Oh, this is not on the podcast. But you know, hey, you know, buy or or stream Walter stuff. It's fantastic stuff. So anyway, to, to close us out, Walter, Gordon, Gary, Frank, Jerry, you're already gone. Thanks for coming by. Wayne, thank you so much. I'm just so happy that you have kicked cancer in the ass. Mm -hmm. You are you are the man, and we are behind you 100 percent Trust me, my friend, there are there's an entire army of people that are cheering for you. And if, if there's anything that we can do for you at any point, you just need to reach out brother. Cause you know, we love you. Thank you very much. Jose. Yo, Wayne. Yo, yeah. Wayne. Right, Wayne. Wayne's world. Wayne's world. <laughs> Party on. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So thank you very there. much for hanging out with us. Hey, and peace and slide grease. We's out. <laughs>
Hey, thank you so much for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating connection through our mutual love for the trumpet life. I hope that you learned a few things about today's guest and had some laughs along the way. Don't forget to give us a review. We love those five-star ratings. And please share this podcast with your friends. We want to see our hang grow for show. Have a suggestion for a future topic or a guest? Hit me up at thetrumpetgurus at gmail.com. Our opening theme was written and performed by Lexi Signor, and all other music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. So in the words of W.C. Handy, life is like a trumpet. If you don't put anything into it, you don't get anything out. So go out there and let your trumpet sound, and I'll see you at the next hang.